I'd like to uh, begin this morning by us simply having a word of prayer. Um, I think about everything that's transpired in Indianapolis with the FedEx, FedEx uh, murders that took place. And I thought it would be good for us to simply take a moment and to pause and to pray uh, for those families. Uh, so let's pray. God, we know that you are faithful all the time. But sometimes for us, God, it's difficult for us to find much faith in this world when we see the senseless acts that took place in Indianapolis, not in some other state, not in another country, but a mass shooting just a few miles away. And God, we pray for those families right now those families that are grieving from loss and from pain. And God, even though our faith may be weak, we know that you are strong. And God, we pray that you, who sent the Prince of Peace to come to this earth, that, Father, you would send peace to our world. God, we pray for peace to prevail. And God, we pray that senseless acts of violence, 45 different shootings that we've seen just in the last month, God, Lord, would you come and bring healing to this nation and your world? And now, God, we ask that as we believe you want us to make a difference in this world, would you help us now not to turn to apathy, but to turn to a passion that is from you to make a difference. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Each uh, Wednesday, I have meetings all morning long. Uh, sometimes they begin as early as 6 in the morning. But on the Wednesday before Easter, it was a fifth Wednesday. And so fifth Wednesdays are great because I don't have anything in the morning. And uh, so I was able to kind of do our normal routine. I hung out with the girls, uh, got them ready, took them to school. Uh, and then I came back home and I had me time uh, to where I could just chill, kind of do my own thing. And so typically on Wednesdays, I like to go run. And so I was getting ready to go run. And just as I was getting ready to kind of have my own comfort world, uh, my phone uh, started to buzz and there was an amber alert. There was a 10-year-old boy who had been abducted. And so I went ahead and I stopped immediately and I prayed and I asked that God would uh, help in this situation. I prayed for the boy to be found. I prayed for his parents. I prayed for the abductor to come to their senses. And then after I was done praying, I looked back down to my feet. Now, I hadn't got my running shoes on and so I put my running shoes on. And I went out and I ran and I didn't think about that little boy or the Amber Alert for the rest of the day. And then I went on for the next week and I didn't think about it. And Easter came and we celebrated and I had time with my family. I didn't think about that little boy or that Amber Alert at all. And then a week finally passed. And all of a sudden, I was just thinking one morning, like, wonder what happened to that 10-year-old boy. And then I had a second thought that came to mind, and it was this. 
What in the world is wrong with you? I mean, how is it that you can't care, Chris, long enough for someone else and the hurt and the pain that they're going through for only a couple of minutes before you go back on to your own comfortable life and you just do your own thing to where it's all about you and your self-centered world. Now, just to let you know, that 10-year-old little boy was found and everything was safe and sound. But today, what I want to talk to you about is how do we overcome an attitude of apathy? How do we overcome the comfort that we find in such an apathetic world. You know, uh, I was reading a study uh, this week that there are many experts now that are starting to define us as the most apathetic generation ever. We just don't tend to care. We don't tend to get involved very much. We don't have much compassion. So today I want to talk about how do we overcome the comfort of apathy. Uh, one day, uh, a religious leader came to Jesus, and they were always trying to t- trick Jesus with questions. And this is a question that maybe you've wondered before yourself. But he came to him and he said, what do I need to do to just get by? Like, what is the least amount that I have to do to get eternal life? And Jesus said, well, what does the law say? And the man said, well, it says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And the guy then went on to kind of what I did in chemistry class with college. Like, what is the least amount that I have to do to just pass the class? Uh, Like, what is the least amount to pass the class? Now, for some of you, I know you're A-listers. You're like my wife. You don't ever ask, what do I need to do just to pass? The question you ask is, what do I need to do to get the A? So regardless of which side you're on, many times we simply want to do the least possible thing to get the desired result that we want. So Jesus went ahead and he turned and he asked, well, just do what it says. Love God and Love your neighbor. And so then the guy went on and he's kind of like, well, like, what do you mean by my neighbor? Like, how many neighbors do I have to love? Do I have to love everybody? Like, I want to know who is the least, what's the least amount of love that I have to do to like get by to receive eternal life. I mean, what is that? And then Jesus went ahead and he gave this parable. A parable is simply an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Jesus said, one day a man was going from Jerusalem down to Jericho. It was a very, very narrow road that you had to go through this. There were, uh, you know, walls of stone on both sides. And he was beaten and he was left half dead. So there's a guy who's on the side of the road who's bleeding, who's been beaten, he's been thrown into a ditch. And in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 30, this is what Jesus said. A priest happened to be going down the road, and when he saw the man, what did the priest do? Let's all say it out loud together. What did he do? He passed on the other side. So... 
He's walking down the road. He sees a guy. Maybe he's like on his phone. He's just standing there. He's flipping and he's like, oh, here's a guy. He's been beat up. He's dead. And what's the scripture say? It says that he went ahead and he passed on the other side. He didn't want to get involved. Jesus goes on with the parable then in verse 32 and says, so a Levite, that's another religious person. When he came to the place and saw the injured man, what did he do? What did he do? He passed on the other side. Now, what a powerful image of apathy. I see this guy right there, but he's a bloody mess, and I'd rather not get involved. Because... There could be other bandits around that could get me. I just don't want to take that risk. It's too much of a danger for me. Plus, by the way, like I am a religious person, maybe the temple needs me. I need to get back to church where I'm at. It could be too dangerous. I know this guy is really in bad shape, but... I really don't want to get involved. I read an article uh, recently that was simply titled, The Meh Generation. And basically, that's what they're calling us. We're just the meh generation. For example, um, what are you excited about? Meh. Uh, What do you want to get involved in? Meh. Uh, what are you passionate about? Meh. And all of a sudden, we just have this tendency to just be like, meh. And folks, why is it that so many of us find it difficult to care the way that Jesus called us to care? Because I think many times we're just kind of like, meh. You know, whatever. Meh. Why is it? That a pastor, not a Christian, but actually a pastor, can be wrecked by an amber alert, thinking about his own children, and then praying for them. And just like that, he moves on with his comfortable lifestyle, and he doesn't think anything different. I mean, why don't we care the way that Jesus called us to care? Well, it might be that we're just bombarded by so much information. I mean, there is, you know, so many tragic things that are happening. I I couldn't believe it. Forty-five mass shootings just in the last month. And we see it and we get so bombarded by all of this that we become immune to tragedy that's going on because we see it all the time if you look at the news. Or it might be that you just feel hopeless that you can actually make a difference. I mean, we often think to ourselves, well, what can little old me do? I mean, I'm just one person. I don't have enough money to make a huge difference, so I won't do anything at all. Or maybe the most painful thing that I think is true is this. We're blessed and we're cursed with comfort. We're just very blessed by comfort. But on the same side, on the other side, we're, we're cursed by it. We don't care the way Jesus called us to care. Why? Because I think we're just blessed and we're cursed 
by comfort. Now, I just want you to know that by living in the United States, you are given comforts that the rest of the world would literally die for. For example, if you drove a car here today, or for those of you that are on the stream, if you have a car, regardless of how messed up your car is, if you came here in a car, you are in the 90th percentile of the wealthiest people in the world. So if you thought you was Paul, if you have a car, you ain't Paul. You're in the top 90th percentile of everyone in the world. Folks, almost every single one of us are both incredibly blessed by comfort and yet we're cursed by it as well. We're blessed by comfort in such a way that all of you could take out your phone right now, go to some particular app, and you could order pizza, and in 30 minutes or less, it would be delivered right here at the Civic. Now, if you do that, I get the first piece, okay? That's all I'm saying. But folks, don't take this for granted that you're able to do this because you can't do that. In most of the world. Or, for example, you can get on your same phone and you can order something if you want. And you can say, Alexa, please get me whatever it is. And tomorrow, Amazon Prime will have it at your porch. It's like Christmas. You know, you just have it right there. It's amazing to me. And folks, we're so blessed and we're cursed at the same time with comfort because it's so difficult because this is the truth. The more comfortable we become, the more we tend to have the world all about us. The more comfortable your life becomes, the more comfortable my life becomes, the more life tends to be all about us. The more self-centered we are, the more focused we are on our three favorite people. You know who your three favorite people are? Me, myself, and I. You love those three. And unfortunately, before long, what we try to do is we actually try to leverage God to give us exactly what we want as well. For example, God... I want my headache to go away, and I want my bank account to go up. God, I don't want to hurt. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to struggle. God, I just want you to make my life as comfortable as possible, because life is all about me. So, how do we overcome an attitude of apathy? How do we not get sucked in to just being meh, meh, the meh generation? Well, this kind of leads us to our big idea this morning, and you can fill this out in your program, or for those of you on the stream, you can do it on your app, or here, if you have your app, you can go ahead and do that. And it's this, you need to consistently expose yourself to something that creates a righteous discomfort. If you want to overcome an attitude of apathy, you've got to consistently expose yourself to something that creates 
a righteous discomfort. Now, I know there are a lot of words that are within this, so we're going to kind of break it down. And let's look at just that first word, consistently. If there is a lack of consistency, there will be a lack of interest. If you are not consistently exposing yourself to things that are difficult in this world, if you don't push yourself in that consistently, you won't do much with it. For example, uh, how many of you have ever been on a mission trip before? Just raise your hand to another part of the world, okay? Uh, to another developed country. Okay, several of you. Now, this is typically what happens. Uh, you go to this world, and when you, the first day you get there, you see this poverty, and your soul is just wrecked. You're like, oh my gosh, like, how can people live like this? And sometimes it becomes so difficult, you're brought to tears. I remember the first time I went to Tijuana, Mexico, and we went to this landfill. And people were living at the landfill and eating from the landfill. And I just teared up. And then at some point in that particular trip, your mind shifts and you're like, these people literally have nothing But they seem more satisfied with their life than me. Like, what is up with me? What's that all about? And then you're just like, I just want to do everything I can to give everything away. And so you start thinking, well, I'll just give everything. I'll move here. And then all of a sudden you think to yourself, well, if we gave them every single thing that they desired, that's really not going to help them out. So then you make a commitment in that moment, from this day forward, I am never going to bat an eye to poverty again. When I get back home, every time I see someone hurting or someone struggling, I'm going to step up and help them. I'm going to care more than I've ever cared before. I'm not going to... Get so upset about the small things in life. I'm actually going to care for others because my soul has been wrecked in a really, really good way. And so then you fly back here to your home and you get in home and you don't consistently expose yourself to something that moves your heart. And what happens? Life happens. All of a sudden, the bills come in, and you freak out about it. And your teenage kid has an accident. Now you got to go through the insurance. And pretty soon, you know, work isn't so great, and you've had it with your co-workers. And before too long after that, there's this sense that the cat doesn't look right. And so you look at the cat, and the cat looks like it's going to die. So you take the cat to the vet, and you take it to the vet, and the vet tells you it's going to cost you $1,000. And all of a sudden, you're so overwhelmed and understanding, and you drift back into your comfortable world of me, myself, and I. And there's no righteous discomfort. Now, Let me talk a little bit about righteous discomfort just for a second. Because you might be saying, well, what's that about? Well, righteous discomfort is something that you see, that God sees in the world that you know His heart breaks for. And because His heart breaks, 
your heart breaks and you want to get involved and do something on God's behalf. This is where you look at something and you're like, I'm not okay with this. And I know that God's not okay with this, so I'm going to get involved and I'm going to do something to make a difference in this area. You see, folks, when we consistently expose ourselves to something that creates like a righteous discomfort within us, then suddenly you cannot have apathy in your heart because you're wanting to give yourself away for something that's hurting the heart of God. And apathy starts to change and all of a sudden there's this righteous fire that comes within you and you have a passion because now you think, I can make a difference in this world. You simply say, I'm not going to walk away anymore. I'm going to make a difference. So the question becomes, how do we do that? How do we channel our passion to actually make a difference? Well, let me give you just a couple of things that I think you can do to kind of channel this passion. The first one is focus on something. Not focus on everything. Just focus on one thing. Focus on Something. I mean, there are so many causes, there are so many things that you can be a part of that you need to focus on something. What is it that really stirs within you and gives you passion? When you see an injustice in this particular area, you're like, I just got to do something about it. I can't stand on the sideline anymore. There's a woman in our church by the name of Heather. And uh, a few years ago, uh, she was wrecked by the number of teenage girls that were being sex trafficked in our county and the surrounding counties that were 13 to 17 years old. And so she went ahead and there was an organization in Newcastle that's called uh, True Harbor. And it's a place that cares for these girls who've been sex trafficked from 13 to 17 year old. Just Newcastle. Just a few miles away. And Heather is in the medical field and so she's become a health provider for all of these girls. And on Mondays, on her day off, she takes time away to go and to do health checks and to help them out with any of the health things that they're going through. It's the only kind of ministry like this in the state of Indiana. And Heather has found her passion because of this righteous discomfort she finds in knowing that this exists. Melissa and Brad, a few years ago, they looked at the fact that they didn't have children, but they knew there were so many foster kids in the system that they were like, we're going to do something to make a difference. They looked at... Parents that ignored kids, that there were so many kids that just didn't have a safe home. And so they opened up their home. And over the past couple of years, they've had over 16 children that have been in their home. And they've actually adopted their first child together. And over the past couple of years, they've created this safe environment. And Brad and Melissa have found their passion in being able to care for foster kids. Now, 
maybe for some of you, your thing is not helping out girls who are sex trafficked or foster kids, but maybe for some of you, student ministry is an area that you get passionate about. You see young kids that are teenagers, and you remember how difficult your life was as a teenager, and you're like, I don't want them to go through that. I actually want them to see themselves as Christ, and you could say, hey, I'm going to be a part of Impact. I'm going to be a part of Elevate. Maybe for some of you, it's overseas missions. You've actually felt a call on your life to go and do something, but you're always like, well, the timing's not right, or I'm not sure I have enough money. And folks, I'm telling you, don't wait. Take an opportunity to do something. Maybe for others of you, it's a small group. You love to see people grow and get discipled, but you've always been like, well, we don't know. We don't have enough time to do that. Do it. Maybe for others of you, it's celebrate recovery. There are some hurts, habits, hangups in your life that you've overcome. You used to be an an addict, but now you've been set free, or you just want to care for people, but you haven't really gotten involved in our Celebrate Recovery program. Maybe for others of you, there's just a passion within you that you love to serve people who are the least of these. And so the community basket has become this great cause that we're able to care for people by providing items for them that food stamps don't care for. Hygiene, cleaning, paper items, and you could be a part of that. Folks, I don't know what it is that God might be stirring in your heart, and maybe He's been stirring it for a long time, but you've just sat on the sideline. But I want to encourage you, fight for some cause. Choose an injustice. Do something. Now, I want you to know that if you do this, and Heather will tell you this, and so will Brad and Melissa, that if you actually step out and you start having faith to have passion for something, the evil one is going to remind you, don't do it. You're not quite ready yet. You don't have enough money. You can't make a difference. Just don't do it. And folks, this is what I want you to know. Apathy always makes excuses. And passion finds a way. Apathy always will make an excuse. But passion finds a way. You know, I have a feeling that somebody might be listening on the stream right now. Or maybe there's somebody here that's like, oh man, God's stirring in my heart right now. There's this one area. This is what I want to encourage you to do. Focus on that. Focus on something. Make a difference. It will change your life. So we focus on something. And then the second thing I would encourage you to do to channel your passion to make a difference is embrace what hurts. That you would actually embrace, not fall away from, but you'd actually embrace what hurts. You know, the biggest lie in our culture is this. It's easier not to care. I mean, it's just a lot easier not to care. It's easier not to get involved. It's easier not to put yourself out there. It's easier to keep to myself. I mean, if I do something, I could get hurt. If I do something, I'm going to have to sacrifice something. If I do something, I'm going to lose some of my time. And I'm already busy enough. It's just easier not to care. Folks, this is what I want you to know. 
I would rather hurt with a purpose than exist without one. Let me say that again. I would rather hurt with a purpose than to exist without one. I would rather hurt with the divine calling that I have than to exist without one. I would rather go through some sleepless nights where I cry myself to sleep because there's a purpose in my life and I'm struggling and there's angst and there's anxiety. But I'd rather do that through sleepless nights than to binge watch something on Netflix and fall asleep and literally waste my life doing absolutely nothing except learning more about the crown. So you embrace... What hurts? You embrace what hurts. Folks, can I be honest with you about your Christianity if you're a Christian? If our version of Christianity is just about how comfortable we can become, we are worshiping a false god. If it's just about how comfortable my life can become, we're worshiping A false God. If I never sacrificially have to give myself away to somebody else, if it never costs me anything, if I never have to put someone else's needs above my own, then I'm not really growing at all. And so, folks, I'm telling you, at least for Chris Bunch, I would rather have some hurt in my life with purpose than... To exist without one. Now, this is what I know about all of you here and those of you that are on the stream right now. This is what I know about you. There is going to be most of you that will listen to this today. And then you'll be like this. Meh. Let's go out to eat. Meh. What do we got this afternoon to do? Meh. Let's go on a bike ride. But this is what I'm believing. That there might just be one or two or a few of you that will actually be like, nope, there's something stirring in my life right now. I have to get involved. I've got to make a difference. I've got to focus on something. I'm going to embrace my hurt. I'm going to do it. And folks, I know I can only speak for myself, but I have given my life to this purpose, to love people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm giving my whole life, everything that I have left, until you say, Bunch, you're too old, get out of here. But until then, I am not leaving. And this is what my goal is, just so you know. I want to get each one of you out of your comfort zones enough... That you would become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And that you would feel uncomfortable enough to do something great for God. And I believe, this is what I truly believe, that God is preparing us for a next season. A season after COVID. And it's going to be a season where apathy doesn't exist, but where passion is chosen. 
You choose passion to make a difference in Muncie and Delaware County and all of East Central Indiana and with the stream wherever it is. And this is what I want you to know, that God has chosen everyone in this section. God has chosen everyone here. God has chosen everyone here. God has chosen everyone in the balcony. And God has chosen every single person on the stream to make a difference. And God, guess who he's counting on? He's counting on you. Let's pray. Loving God, thank you so much for never being apathetic towards us. Thank you for always reaching out and never giving up, even when we're not faithful to you. Thank you for having passion for us, even when we disregard you. Now, maybe there are some of you that are here this morning, and the truth is, you would say, hey, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Christ, but I've lost my spark. Kind of lost my fire, maybe because of COVID or whatever, but Chris, I really do want to make a difference. I don't want to just sit on the sideline. I don't want to just kind of wallow in my comfort of apathy. I want to make a difference. And if today you're like, nope, I really do. I want to make a difference. Would you just raise your hand just between you and God? But you'd raise your hand. God, I don't know what it is, but I want to make a difference. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for each person who has a raised hand. Thank you for giving them the guts to want to make a difference. I pray that you would help them to get out of their comfort zone and to focus on the one thing that you're calling them to make a difference in. Give them clarity of purpose so that they could do something to bring honor and glory to your name. Remind them right now just how proud you are of them for taking that risk. You can put your hand down. Now, maybe for some of you, the truth is you're like, you know what? I haven't really made a difference. I'm here in church maybe for the first time or I've been coming recently or I've been checking out the stream. But the truth is I'm not making a difference with my life. In fact, I I kind of feel dead. I'm breathing. I got a pulse. But I'm just kind of dead. And you might say, I think part of that is because I don't think God wants anything to do with me. And so I'm just dying a little bit more each day. And this is what I want you to know. That you don't have to go down that path anymore. God wants to give you life. Jesus gave up his life and he rose three days later so that you would have life and life more abundantly. And you might say, well, I don't think I'm good enough, I'm not worthy enough, or I'm not sure enough. I mean, I I just don't know. I pray right now through the power of the Holy Spirit that He would remind you to know that He loves you. God loves you. He's with you. He's for you. He doesn't walk away. In fact, Scripture tells us this, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be made whole, will be made complete, will no longer be dead, but they'll be alive. 
And so today, if today's your day where you're like, I want to make a difference, but I need God in my life before I can make any difference. If you're like, by faith today, I surrender my life to Christ. I need His love. I need His grace. I need to be alive. I'm tired of feeling dead. I need life. Then I invite you to share a prayer after me. And it's not a prayer that you have to pray alone, but it's a prayer that we pray together in community. And I invite you to simply repeat this prayer after me. Let's pray. Just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. Make me alive. Jesus, I believe you died and rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I can follow you for the rest of my life. Help me to know you made me to make a difference. Make a difference in my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.